1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. We're in the Baseball America podcast nook. Aaron's in Houston, wrapping up a weekend of college baseball at the Astros Foundation College Classic. Is that what it's called, Aaron? Astros Foundation College Classic. New name, same tournament. But, Aaron, uh, it sounds like it was not the same quality of play and quality uh, quality of event uh, at Minute Maid Park this weekend, but we did have one team that kind of stood out above the rest and uh, at Lee, that was number one North Carolina, which uh, edged Rice on Friday and then scored 25 runs in its last two games against Cal and Texas A&M. I know it wasn't a smooth tournament or a well-played tournament by everybody, but did the Tar Heels look like a number one team in your eyes?
2: Yeah, they did, certainly. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about all this stuff at today's three strikes. Um, you know, the general um, lackluster showing here in Houston, um, You know, seven out of these nine games were lopsided. And you know, there were a ton of walks and it was just, it was just really not a great weekend of baseball, but Hey, you know, we learned something. I come to this tournament every year. It's because you can see nine games in three days. It's it's like seeing three weekend series at once. Um, And, you know, I learned about Cal and and Baylor and, you know, and Houston and, you know, all these teams, Um, some, some things that I learned were positive and some things were not so positive, but um, certainly North Carolina justified in my, my mind, it's, its its status is the best team in the country right now, and Vanderbilt's right there with them. To, to me, those two teams were were the two teams I was I was, you know, most entertaining for preseason number one. I mean, Arkansas to me was a clear third behind those two, um, and, and to this point in the season, I still think those are the two best teams. Although Mississippi State and the Beavers have something to say about that as well with the stars they've gotten off to. But, um, you know, but for North Carolina, I mean, I thought it was impressive the way they swung the bats. Obviously, they, they were counting. Like They always do and drew a lot of walks, but they also got big hits. I mean, you know, in addition to having 13 uh, freebies on on Sunday, you know, 11 walks and two hit batsmen, uh, they also had 13 hits. And, uh, you know, when they do that, they're very dangerous because we know they can pitch. Um, And, uh, you know, their arms were, you know, it it was just kind of a solid performance by, by the North Carolina pitching staff this weekend. But you know the fact that they were able to win by scoring a lot of runs shows a little bit of a different dimension. That uh, you know, and they've done that before this year. I mean, they scored eighteen in St. John's as well uh, earlier this week. So they're just, I think, a pretty good, well, well-rounded team. And those freshmen have made a big difference. That's the thing that jumped out to me, Johnny. Is is Landon Lasseter, Sky Bolton, Corey Dunbar. It's a great core for North Carolina to build around.
1: Yeah, two. Two ways to go here. We won't get too Tar Heel-centric, but they are the number one team in the country, and they deserve some, a little bit of a deep dive here, as Chuck Todd would say. Um, first off, this program has made its reputation in recent years and made us jump to national prominence behind pitchers with a lot of velocity, whether it was Andrew Miller, Daniel Bard, Alex White, Matt Harvey. That is not what this pitching staff is, correct, Aaron? I mean, this is Kent Emanuel and Ben Moss, who basically pitch with below-average fastballs in terms of Major League Velocity. These guys live in the upper 80s. Those both those guys, and they're both aces. I think their year and three weeks of track record is these guys are aces. I mean, we have more than that with Emmanuel. But as a one-two punch, these guys are outstanding in the BB core era era uh, era era. Aaron, because they a hit their spots, especially with Emmanuel, they pitch inside. He gets under guys' hands, and with Moss, he has a swing and miss breaking ball. So even though they All don't right. have premium velocity, these are premium pitchers, are they not?
2: I agree with you there and and you know Hobbs Johnson did, was not really sharp on Sunday but he's kind of the same in the same mold you know
1: He's probably with, the hardest of thrower of the 3
2: he, he was more 88, 89 this week, 86, 89 this weekend, but he's still kind of working his way back. I suspect we'll see it take more velocity from him. But, um, you know, but I mean, the, to me, that they stand out as well because they do have power arms in the bullpen. You know, I mean, right. Luis Pollard came in and was throwing 94. Um, you know, we know Chris McHugh's got a good arm. He was sitting in the low 90s. Uh, didn't even see Mason McCullough. He's got the biggest arm of all of them. So. Um, you know, and they, it's the depth of that staff. we we talked about that, but you're right. I mean, it's it's Ken Emanuel and, 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 you know, Benton Moss do it a lot different than Harvey and White and, and Miller and Bard. I mean, it's a different style, but it really works in this day and age.
1: And then the the, the, the freshman you mentioned, Bolt had come in. He was off to the best start. Um, right now, it looks like they're, they're going to play Landon Lasseter. They, they have to find a spot for his bat. Which spot yeah. do you think defensively he fits best at? And then. It looks like Corey Dunbar, just for his sheer physicality and the the slow start that Matt Roberts got off to, it feels like Corey Dunbar is going to be the doing the lion's share of the catching for North Carolina going forward. Talk a little bit more about their freshman. I
2: would really expect that as the season progresses, you will see a lot more of Dunbar. Uh, Roberts' expense, you know, and, and I hate to – I'm not going to bury Matt Roberts. I mean, he's a nice, you know, junior piece to have around. But Dunbar's better, John. I mean, I was yeah. not impressed with, with the way Roberts uh, defended this weekend his arm was uh you know not didn't look very good I mean a few throws that he made uh were, were offline or you know bounced or just not very good and, and Dunbar looks the part physically he's got more juice in his bat I just think he's a better player um so you know I think that's going to happen Lassiter I think will be fine a shortstop eventually I mean he's still kind of working it out a little bit but I think you see the actions and I think the arm strength is fine there and you know, I mean, the thing is, Michael Russell is still the guy that they trust the most at shortstop. I mean, they even made a defensive change in one of those games. I think it was, um, I don't know, it was the ninth inning against Rice or what. But, they, you know, a game that last started short, they, they put Russell in there in late innings yep. uh, and moved him in from left fields. So, I mean, you know, they, that's the guy that they, they trust. Just, he just, he makes all the plays. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't look uh, flashy doing it. But, uh, you know, he did he did make a, a nice diving stop deep in the hole just to kind of save a run. I mean, he kept the ball in the infield the other day, um, you know. So, I mean, Russell, did feel a little bit of range there, I mean, more than you think. But um, that said, I mean, they'll probably alternate those two guys for much of the season, at, at least until Lasser – if Lasser really settles in, maybe they'll just leave him there. But uh, I kind of think for a while here we're going to see a little bit of a rotation between those two
1: guys. Certainly looks that way. Uh, it's the Baseball America College podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron, Aaron. Uh, the other, I guess, story kind of out of Houston, I know you're going to talk a little bit more about it, is Rice getting swept. Um, so be, be Houston was kind of the epicenter. There really seemed like there were th- four really big series slash events going on around the country. I know there there's more than this, but we have a 30-minute podcast that we're really doing today, so we'll focus on these. You had Houston. You had the uh, South Carolina-Clemson rivalry, which now has a, a nickname. What is it, the Reedy River rivalry? Reedy
2: River rivalry, yes.
1: Yeah, I, that's new to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it needs that rivalry, but that that name. But Reed, you had South Carolina as usual now, winning the Reedy River Reedy River Rivalry. <laughs> you had the Coca Cola Classic out in Arizona with Arkansas going zero and four, and then you had Cal State Fullerton, Oregon. Uh, you know, battle of uh, George Horton and uh, and his uh, you know his uh, successor, one of his successors, and former assistant. There at Cal State Fullerton and uh, Rick Vanderhook, uh, kind of like uh, Mace Windu facing off against uh, against Obi Wan Kenobi. There, I'm going to keep on making bad Star Wars references. My son plays. Yes, you are way too much Lego, Lego Star Wars. I'm I'm addicted again. Um, which one? Which where? Which direction you want to go there? Which is the biggest news to you? I, I it feels like Arkansas going 0 4 is the biggest news out of those other events, Aaron.
2: Yeah, I mean all three of those. Uh, I think you're right. Those are the big storylines of the weekend and. Hey, Arkansas really uh, took it on the chin this week. I mean, you know, there's there's no other way to put it. Uh, they just went out there and didn't score any runs. And I know they're fa- facing some pretty good pitching staffs. I mean, you're facing Marco Gonzalez, and you're facing, you know, those Arizona State staffs, have good freshmen that they threw at them. But those freshmen, I mean, you know, you'd think the number three team in the country would find a way to grind out a few runs against freshmen, even talented ones. Um, I mean, it's not like Arkansas didn't pitch this weekend. They pitched fine. But they didn't score any runs. And, uh, you know, their, their offense just hasn't found its identity yet. And, and hey, there were some question marks about this this offense coming into the season. I mean, um, you know, we talked about it. We talked about it in the preseason, about right. how these four guys, you know, the Serranos and the Andersons, and these guys really had to take steps forward and become of this offense because, you know, Matt Reynolds was gone and uh, uh, Carver was gone. And, you know, they, they, they had some, some pieces to replace you. You know, so far, has had some really big hits for them. But, um you know, I'm, I'm still kind of waiting for it all to come together offensively. And I'll tell you what else with Arkansas. One of the reasons we had the number three in the preseason is because we thought it was going to be the best bullpen in college baseball with with Colby Suggs and Barrett Aston at the back. And they've had to use Aston as a starter, and he's done well as a starter. So you can't criticize that move. But uh, And Suggs hasn't been the closer. And so, you know, it's not the team we thought it would be.
1: Yeah, I, I, I first of all, I love the energy you got this morning. Second of all. You're right. They're just, it's just not they, they, you know we cannot crown them because they are not who we thought they were, and as a result, they took a tumble in the rankings. They're down to 16 from three. Uh, part of that obviously is the other teams winning around them, but the other part of that Aaron is that they like you said they just they're not who we thought they were going to be, uh, and you know part of that some in, you know they had some injury issues early with their offense, but you know they got Dominic Ficocello back this weekend and he didn't hit and uh, just they just really haven't. Uh, no, like you said, none of those pieces have really come together for them offensively. The one uh, saving grace, I suppose, if you're a Hogs fan, is that it kind of feels like last year. I don't remember them going 0-4 in a weekend last year, but Arkansas had high hopes last year. Got out of the gates, it, it stumbled out of the out of the gates last year, and slowly got better until they got to Omaha. And doesn't I mean, am I off on that? I mean, it feels like Arkansas is, you know, we've we've seen this uh, story yeah. before. I agree with you. And then, and I still believe, you know, even after having gone on that little
2: tangent there, I, I still believe that they're going to be fine. I mean, yeah, you know, I still think they have enough arms here, first of all. First and foremost, I mean, no matter what roles they're in, there, there are enough arms here that it's going to be a very formidable pitching staff all season long. And it was, like I said, it was formidable this weekend. And they still have a, you know, 182 staff ERA. So, I mean, they're, they're pitching well and they're going to pitch well. And, and hey, the sophomores we talked about, I mean, Anderson is is performing too. I mean, he's hitting three fifty seven, and, and you know Joe Serrano's gotten not, not off to a great start, but he's hitting three hundred. I mean, it's not like these guys are in the tank, right? You know, so I mean, I, I think I think they're going to be okay on offense too. I mean, I, I still like the athleticism. I, I like the personnel, but you know, it's it's uh, they're just they, like I said, they haven't found themselves yet. It'll take some time, but it's week three, and, and you know me, Johnny, I'm never going to push the panic button this early.
1: Yeah, we're not panicking on uh, on them, but I, I think dropping them 13 spots in the rankings reflects the fact they're off to a bad start. They got swept in a four-game tournament, and they're not, you know, a- as good as we thought they were. So uh, on the flip side, on the flippity-flop, in terms of uh, moving up our rankings, uh, rankings movement, Aaron, last week we got some heat for not moving Cal State Fulton up enough. Uh, this weekend, with the caliber of competition that other teams played, and Cal State Fullerton continuing to win, winning a series against Oregon this weekend. The Titans moved up seven spots to number 10. And I'll tell you the most stunning part of this for me, Aaron, is to see that Fullerton, that was the first time the Titans had ever started 10-0 and yeah. as a Division One team. That floored me. I mean, I know that Fullerton has always played great schedules. But considering they had a team that went 57-9 and one year, considering they've won four national championships— nice. I just thought that it was logical that the Titans had started 10 and 0 once prior to this year. That stat is the stat of the weekend for me, non-Carlito Rodon uh, category. <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, I agree. That was I was also a little surprised by that. But you know what? I mean, that just shows you how little it means when you're playing. I mean, you know, when you're playing Patriot League and Ivy League teams the first exactly. three weeks of the season, and you're 12 and 0. Who cares? I mean, get out there and play somebody and, and, you know, we'll reward you in the rankings because you've proven something. I mean, you haven't proven something. You're not playing anybody. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're unbeaten.
1: Don't Don't apologize. You're fired up this morning. (laughs) I love it.
2: So, yes, I mean, the Titans play some people every year in the non-conference, and that's why they don't win their first 10 games every year. And that's why it's so impressive that they did so this year, because they, again, played a good schedule, went on the road and swept TCU. I mean, and and then they, they have. They played a really good Oregon team, and they went two out of three. Lost that Sunday game, but you know that's the first hiccup they've had. So, awfully impressed with the Titans so far.
1: And the the, the kind of the 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 other team that's the opposite of this, and I, I don't think we were anticipating talking about that. But, but Aaron Mississippi State, Mississippi State has played nobody other than Sanford. Yeah. Mississippi State, Stanford
2: and Purdue are you know on paper. I mean, hey, I know this is this is not as good a Purdue team as last year, but those are fine teams to schedule certainly, and they played those teams exactly. two, twice a piece.
1: Exactly. Those were those were both regional teams from last year. Portland, you know, Portland's, uh, you know, Portland is a it's a Northwest team. They're three and ten. Uh, you know, they did win a game at Irvine this weekend, but you know, they should sweep Portland. But yeah. it, at the same time, Aaron, if you're going to play those teams, you should really dominate them. And Mississippi State has really dominated them. At the same time, I feel like we both really like Mississippi State. Obviously, we were bullish on the Bulldogs coming into the year. And they're doing some of this without two of the guys I think you and I both thought were key in terms of their offensive production going up, which would be Hunter Renfro. He's got this little broken hand. He's missed some time. And Wes Ray seems to have this lower body, hamstring, quad, whatever it is, like this leg strain. Um, And yet they're still just really – they've been so dominant. Do we know – does going 15-0 and 0 against their competition, does that mean more because Mississippi State hasn't dominated that level of competition in recent years? I'm not sure if I know what to make of, of the number three Bulldogs yet.
2: Well, well, you know, first of all, I thought it was encouraging that the run for in their DH, I think, the last two games of the series. Was in the Sunday doubleheader? He's back in there. Or he played in some right field, too, so I mean, he's, he's back. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. As far as your, your your overall point here, you're right. I mean, there's how much can you learn from this 15-0 start? Uh, all in the all, all at home. We should add also they opened their season with 19 straight games at home, and uh, you know how I feel about this kind of scheduling. Um, yep. You know, but that said, this was a team that we really liked in the preseason because of their talent, and hey, they have justified. What we thought about this team so far. I mean, I know it's not great competition, but I, I just love what I've seen from them in all facets. They've played so well. They've played at a high level, and so, um, and they're 15 and 0. And and you know, this is not a team that's come out of nowhere here. It's a team we had high hopes for, and so far they've they've done what they were supposed to do. So uh, I, I think I think this is a really really good team.
1: Aaron, I'm just stunned looking at Mississippi State's schedule. They leave the state of Mississippi five times all year. They've yeah. got at Kentucky, at Arkansas at A&M, at Vanderbilt, in conference. Their their other road series in the league is at Ole Miss, obviously not leaving the state. And they have one non-conference midweek game all season where they will leave the state, and that's at South Alabama. So it would behoove the Bulldogs, it would appear, to have a really good regular season so they can host a regional and a super regional. Because I don't think... You want to go into a super regional with Omaha on the line, where you've only left the state four times. And I mean, that
2: said, it's four tough SEC road series. I mean, not, I think they'll still be battle tested.
1: Those are four tough. Those are four, three top ten teams, and then A and M. So, um, which did not look good, I suppose, this weekend. Correct.
2: Well, you know, they they're just inconsistent. I mean, they. Uh, they did look good on Saturday. I thought, hey, this team's got some athleticism in the lineup. I mean, this is what I thought I'd see from a and all the speed. And, um, you know, they did they do have arms. I mean, other than North Carolina, I mean, they maybe had – they showed more velocity maybe than North Carolina um, with, with, uh, and in rotation with, with Daniel Mangdon. I mean, he threw harder than any of Carolina's guys. Uh, it wasn't big velocity, but he was up to 91 or so. I um, mean, Corey Ray came out of the bullpen, throw 92 and, and got – lit up i mean so i don't know i mean they, they've they got some arms and they've got some a lot of speed in the lineup but they're just going to be up and down and, and that's how they were this weekend they were up and down
1: it's the baseball america college podcast uh aaron a couple other things on some of these other uh, events we talked about um i guess i actually am leaving out one somewhat I, I i think sort of major i mentioned carlito rodon and the reason i'm calling him carlito is because his uh his he, He's he tweeted I don't know. Did you see his tweet that he that said? After, that, that was a that was great tweet. That was great. I loved it. He said his grandfather told him, Carlito, just you and the catcher tell everybody else to sit down when you're pitching, which is awesome. But there's a reason for that is that Carlito Rodon, his 30 strikeouts and, what, two hits allowed in the last Jeez. three hits allowed in his last 14 innings?
0: Sounds um,
1: right. This guy, uh, he hates hitters. And after that, giving up those three home runs to App State in the first game of the year, he's taken his fury out on <laughs> florida atlantic and i guess what was it LaSalle last weekend um yeah but pretty crowded dossier of outstanding pitching performances this weekend aaron which one stood out the most to you was it mark Appel dominating texas was it kevin zomek with a career high 15 strikeouts it really seems like the vanderbilt left-hander is making that next step yeah. for potential to production or was it Carlito? yeah he is
2: and I'm, and I'm looking forward to seeing Kevin Zomek in a few weeks against Jonathan Crawford in Nashville. That'll be a really good one.
1: Nice.
2: Um, but, in uh, Zomek, you know, he's, he's, you're right, he's taking that step forward, and so is Tyler Beattie. I mean, that that Vanderbilt staff um, coming into the season, hey, that was the one question was, are these guys going to perform as well as they ought to <laughs> on the mound? Because they had the all the ability in the world, and we were just waiting to see it, you know, and, and here it is, you know, it's, you're looking at it. I mean, I think it's. I think it's clear these guys are, are going to have a frontline rotation even once they get into SEC play. Um, but you know, Appel against a mediocre offensive Texas team, he shoved it. I mean, you know, give the guy yeah. credit. He's he's like Radon. He's really bounced back strong from that. Not a great first start. Uh, with two brilliant starts, uh, but but I still think Radon faced the best offensive team out of those three pitchers, um, and was just lights out again. My God, the, the guy is an animal, uh, and I, I I just I think it's laughable all the people that were panicking or even gloating the people who don't like Radon after his his loss to abstain. and talking about how, um, you know,
1: who you know, doesn't like can that guy? <laughs> how could well, you not like you know, that guy? I mean, there,
2: there, there's always going to be haters. Haters are going to hate.
1: There's th- 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 this is um, but, this is something uh, immutable. Wh- however, you feel about NC State uh, athletics, I guess there's some maybe there's Triangle Area fans or North Carolina fans that don't like them. If you like baseball, you will love yeah. watching NC State because they have the two That's, most fun players in college baseball. Period. In Carlos Rodon and Trey Turner, there's no agree, one more 100%. fun to watch than Trey Turner, except for maybe Carlos Rodon when he's just shoving it. right, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sorry. Those guys might be the two most fun players I've ever seen in college baseball. Because Trey Turner is a pure 80 runner, and you read these tweets about them in Myrtle Beach, where Trey Turner's he makes a makes a mis- a misplay mis- on an error. First of all, he drives in the go ahead run in the top of the tenth for them to take a 5-4 lead on Coastal Carolina. Then he makes an error at short in the bottom of the tenth, and then makes up for with some leaping catch double play. This guy is just <laughs> number one. He's their whole offense right now. And yeah, he had I know it was a points last year too, and if you're gonna have put the whole offense on one guy, I'll put on the guy who has enough bad speed to to jack one and who's unstoppable on the base paths. He yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, I, you guys heard me gl- talk about this guy last year. This guy's ridiculous because he's gotten better this year, and now he's yeah. fun to watch defensively because he's in the middle of everything at shortstop. So, I, I, I mean, hey, hate, if hate, haters are gonna hate, but I'm just telling them. Don't hate on these guys. You can hate on NC State's team. There's some flaws here or there, but I like the way they've bounced back, Aaron, from a, – a, it was a letdown on opening day because they had 2,400 fans there, and they had Carlos Rodon, who hadn't lost since his junior year in high school, and they lose to App State. But since then, they've found many different ways to win. They've had this ridiculous yeah. sports center highlight that Brett Williams turned in this week with the catch where he launched. I mean, they're a very entertaining team. And I think they're, they're very entertaining. entertaining. I, I they're the most agree. entertaining players in the country. So I, I
2: completely agree with that. I mean, you know, absolutely, no question about it. And I said it last year. I thought Trey Turner was the most exciting player to watch, and 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 Redon, You know, it was the most exciting pitcher to watch. I mean, those guys, you can't take your eyes off them when they're on the field. It's 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 really a treat to watch NC State. Um, absolutely, but you know what? Eyes off those guys. That's it. But you know what, Johnny, Josh Easley, and 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 Logan Jernigan may start this weekend. and didn't get out of the first inning, so
1: that's, that's it. This team has warts. I mean, it's going to be a fun ride, but there's going to be bumps along the way. I that's a, very important to point out, and a great a great point to point out, Aaron. Let's hit some other highlights. I'm I'm going to go. Uh, you can you you tell me if there's something you want to hit on. <laughs> you can Skype me. But there are a couple other that that Myrtle Beach tournament. Uh, that that was one event that was happening this weekend. We touched briefly with Arkansas. We touched on the Coca-Cola Classic. Another nice uh, – let, let's touch real quick on Arizona State. Arizona State and Virginia come into our rankings. Arizona State went 3-0-1 down there. I guess the things that jumped out to me in that Arizona tournament besides Arkansas, you know, uh, uh, taking the gas pipe and uh, going on four. Uh Marco Gonzalez for Gonzaga, yes. another one of these uh, premium prospects who had a great weekend. And then Arizona State going 3-0-1 with a tie of Gonzaga – Sure, sure. Feels like Gonzaga, which is going for a number one seed in the basketball tournament, uh, because you know they are Gonzaga. We talk about basketball, um, but Gonzaga seems like they're inching up there again. I mean, like the, the West Coast Conference is gonna be so tough this year. Uh, how's Gonzaga look? Is this a regional caliber team? And, and then, what's your take on Arizona State going uh three and one? I think it is a regional caliber team, and and
2: we had it as a projected regional team coming into the season, I think we had them as the number two team in the, in the West coast conference. So um, I just think that the pitching is, is very good. First of all, with, with Gonzalez and and Tyler Olson and, you know, Marco, I talked to somebody who was there this weekend and said it was, you know, he really just had his way with those guys And, and he scattered a few hits, but I mean, he just, he put his, his fastball wherever he wanted, you know, it was 88 to 90. And then, You know, and it plays up because the changeup is so good and he knows how to use a breaking ball. I mean, the guy just knows how to pitch. I still think he's going in the first round. I think he's going in the top half of the first round. And Jim Callis, if you're listening, uh, (laughs) you heard it here. That's what I said. That's what's going to happen.
1: If there's a Sean Gilmartin in this draft, that's Marco Gonzalez. I think, I still think Emmanuel Emmanuel
2: to me. I still feel like Emmanuel is, he reminds me more of, of, of Gilmartin because. Uh, the breaking balls are more similar. Um, it's more about angle with them. Their fastballs are both kind of more 86, 88, maybe touching 89. Uh, both of them had really good change-ups. To me, Marco has got more velocity than those two guys. Uh, I think he's got a better breaking ball, um, you know, and, and he's, 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 he's less about angle. I mean, he's, he's just got a little bit of a different look.
1: I follow you. I think my, the reason I made the comparison is that, to me, Kent Emanuel is more physical than either of those guys, than any of these guys. And he's athletic, mm. but he's less—he has a less athletic delivery, delivery-wise. When I watch the, deli- the the Marco Gonzalez, just how smooth and easy, you know—that's that, the yeah. thing that made Go Martin. He makes it look easy. Uh, it, it's easy, and it looks—it's 86, but it, maybe it looks like it's 90 because it's coming out so easy. Whereas, sure. whereas there's a lot of herc and a lot of jerk in everything that Kent Emanuel does. So like. he's got a little funk. Gonzalez is, to me, is athletic and smooth, kind of like Gil Martin. You know, it's all inexact, but I, I, I'm with you. If Marco Gonzalez keeps on dealing like this, especially in that league and in this season where he's precise, athletic, there's got to be some pro team that's going to think, you know, if we take the hitting away, maybe you get a little bit more out of him. Um, I, I like Marco Gonzalez, the guy who's polished and has a chance to move pretty quickly. Um Cause other things I am I'm I'm looking on our uh on, on the draft blog with the uh one of the great things that Connor Glassy does for us, uh the college draft prospect stat roundup. Um couple of things stand out to me also there is that uh you know CK Irby and Philip Irvin at Sanford keep getting yeah. it done. We keep we we, yeah. we write about these guys, we write about Sanford. You know Sanford is a I have a soft spot for the Bulldogs. You know me, private schools in Alabama <laughs> they're yeah. out my alley. Um Exactly. But uh but how about just Philip Irvin and then C.K. Irby uh, making the transition from closing to starting this year and a complete game three-hitter with eight with eight strikeouts?
2: One of my favorite pieces in the, in the college preview issue this year was uh, the the feature that Jim Schonert wrote on those two guys. Yep, uh, I thought it captured their personalities well. I mean, these guys they know their their job is to lead this team. Uh, and they do it and you know they 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 have fun it sounds like and and boy they're they're you know they're exciting to watch i mean those guys are, have a lot of talent and and you know in compact packages so you know they're fit favorites um <laughs> but uh it's just you know those those guys i think Stanford's going to be a real factor because of those two players more than anything else and obviously um but uh that that so kind of is competitive this year i mean I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this league i think it's pretty deep um, you know, and and, and I'm not not I'm not sure who if there's a clear favorite. I mean, we I think College of Charleston we kind of like coming into the season. They they scuffled a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, App State has gotten off to another strong start this year. I think we thought they lost a bunch, but yep. you know they're seven and two and had that one win obviously against Radon. And um, you know, there's 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 some teams here. This is an interesting league.
1: Georgia Southern's <laughs> off to a pretty decent start. I mean, obviously you've written about them a little bit. Western Carolina seems like it's got a little spunk. Uh, yep. This year, so I agree with you. The SoCon uh, looks really strong. It's the Baseball America College Podcast. We're back on the Baseball America College Podcast. Took a little break for the Google Plus Hangout. Want to remind people that every Monday, twelve o'clock Eastern Time, uh, nine o'clock Aaron Fit Time, as we call Pacific Time, uh, we will have the Baseball America Google Plus Hangout. Five to ten minutes of college baseball talk with me and Aaron, and you can see what we look at, what we look like, and whether Aaron's growing a playoff beard or not. Uh, <laughs> this week it was Aaron from uh, Houston. I gotta tell you, Aaron, I missed seeing your uh, I missed seeing your your Rosenblatt picture over your shoulder. That thing's awesome. Uh, next week,
2: next week we will be back.
1: Back home again in Laguna. That's right. So, Aaron, let's take a couple questions. We want to try to keep our both our Google Hangout and our podcast interactive. And one of them is from last week a call an email that I missed from our old friend Joe LaCates he went old school with an email to the podcast at BaseballAmerica.com email inbox. And I remind people that that's a great way to get in touch with us. He had thought, he asked for our thoughts on Virginia, eyebrow-raising individual performances. Kenny Towns with two grand slams in the opening weekend. Brandon Waddell, 15 strikeouts last weekend and another outstanding outing this weekend by Waddell. Uh, is it a case of the cupcake schedule or is the squad a little bit better than expected I'm going to guess, Aaron, that your answer is more A than B, more the former than the
2: uh, latter. You know, I just I don't know what to make of them, John. I, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, um, I, it's just hard to get a feel for how good they are because of the schedule they've played against. And and um, you know, I, I like the fact that they went on the road the first weekend and played East Carolina, but they gave up 13 runs in those two games at East Carolina, and since then the pitching has been great. Yeah, but they have, haven't played. ACC caliber offenses or anything close to it. I mean, when you're playing, you know, Ivy League and Patriot League teams, and um, you know Toledo and George Washington, William and Mary, and Saint Peter's. I mean, it's just, it's just you can't get a gauge for how good they are, how ready they are for ACC competition. I know that the pitching staff went 42 innings without giving up a run. The start of the starters, I should say, the rotation. Uh, but are you really all in on Scott Silverstein and those guys? I mean, um, you know, uh, he look, he's a Wiley competitor, but I mean, I'm I'm just not excited about that staff, except for Waddell. It's been fantastic. He's exciting. That guy knows how to pitch, and he just seems like he's the next great Virginia left-hander. I mean, they've had a slew of them. Um, Obviously, Holson. But, uh, uh, you know, I I, I do like the athleticism and the depth in that lineup. um, The, you know, Downs is an exciting guy that uh, uh, reminds you a little bit of. Like a young John Hicks, you know, he's just wiry, strong, and has arm strength back there behind the plate. And um, you know, I, I, we've talked a lot about uh, Derek Fisher, and and you know, Mike Mike Poppy got it going a little bit this weekend. I think he's got a chance to be a good hitter. I like to see him kind of uh, reestablish himself this year. Um, you know, feel, Brad Coggs, like well versatile and, and and an instinctive player. I mean, it's it's a good group of sophomores.
1: It feels like that that's it. it feels like the the key for them, and, and they start ACC player, and the whole ACC starts yeah. next weekend. Because the key for them is I think we know and experience tells us that uh, there are a lot of times you can have guys uh, come in uh, w- uh, like Towns, uh, like Woodruff, who are new, you know, newer players, younger players, who can get off to great starts. And last year he was an older guy in Silverstein who got the great start in the non-conference. But once they got into league play where you get a little bit more scouted, it's a little bit more about you know more who you're playing against as opposed to worrying just about your own team as a coaching staff. You, know, you start to get figured out a little bit. You get a little bit exposed in conference play. So to me, the key for Virginia is going to be those experienced players, Brandon Cogswell, Jared King, was a fifth-year senior, Re Gregnani. Yeah. Re Gregnani's been around forever. Um, yep. Nate Irving, the veteran catcher. Mike Poppy, like he talked about. It seems like them maintaining the success is going to be about the Kyle Crocketts and the Brandon Cogswells and the guys who've been through the league and Jared King, those guys continuing to play at a high level, so that those freshmen and sophomores, the new starters, when they get knocked back a little bit by the higher level of competition in the ACC, that that doesn't, you know, floor Virginia. That there's still some some veteran right. ballast for them to to fall back on. And, and let's face it, the other veteran ballast here is a great coaching staff where they really know what they're doing. And they know the league. and They know their players. So I, I always expect Virginia to overachieve a little bit. I think that right, right, now, I think right now they're overachieving a little bit, but part of it's the competition. I will really see they they play Maryland next weekend. Maryland got swept by LSU to start the season, but they've won nine straight games against similarly modest competition. And they've got a new coaching staff and John Sheff and his group uh, to kind of grind things out there at Maryland. And it'll be a, it'll probably be cold. I mean, we'll, we, let's hope they get the series in. It's supposed to be a giant storm to hit uh, mm. the mid Atlantic this weekend. So let's hope they get the series in and, and we'll know a little bit more, I think about, about UVA. Um, that, that's my take. And then yeah. how, how about the Sun Devils, Aaron? Uh, that's other new team in our top twenty-five was Arizona State. Uh, I guess the, in the brief version for Arizona State is uh, the stars on this team. Uh, the unusual, the, the biggest change besides this program, besides the obvious Pat Murphy to Tim Esme transition, and that's fully, you know, this is completely Tim Esme's team now. Uh, but the, the the shift seems to have been, and it's just a natural in the BB Core era. This is more of a pitching team. Whereas Pat Murphy, those Arizona State teams were always offensively very talented. Tim Esme's first team, the 2010 team, was a juggernaut offensively. Uh, but this team's really built around the pitching staff, whether it's the freshman Ryan Kellogg or the you know the Friday guy Trevor Williams or some of the other veterans in here. Um, this is a pitching first team, Aaron.
2: Absolutely, it is, and and you know I like the quality of the arms uh, with with Williams and and um, Adam. McCreary, the left-hander, who seemed like he's, he's getting off to a decent start here. I mean, or, or I should say he got to a decent start this, this weekend, uh, kind of rebounded from a not a great start before that. But, uh, um, you know, I, I like we talked about this in the Google Hangout, but I like Alex Blackford and, and Ryan Burr is, is a, a late innings guy, a combination that, you know, that worked. Both those wins against Arkansas, those two guys came up big. Um, you know, Blacksford's a, a nice versatile veteran guy with a you know a good breaking ball and pitchability and and, uh, and 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 a resilient arm. and It's a nice piece for them. Um, but uh, you know, Brett Lillick and and Kellogg and and Burke, three key freshmen for Arizona State. That's. One of the reasons that we weren't, you know, we didn't have these guys in the in the top twenty-five in the preseason is because they were leaning on freshmen heavily in, on the mound. I mean, yes, they had Williams and, and McCreary, who hadn't even been established really, um, but you know, it's 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 young. It's guys that needed to prove themselves and you know, that was a good start this weekend prove themselves against some good competition uh, They got some big hits too. I mean, you know, I don't think it's gonna be a Juggernaut offense, but I, I do like some of these pieces I think Casey Kaufman's a good player and you know Trevor Allen is is athletic and has some real power um, You know Drew Dankowitz and James McDonald's are just kind of Scrappy hard-nosed guys. It's a hard-nosed team. I mean, that's what it is It's it's a, it kind of fits the Tim Esme. May um you know approach i mean it's just uh his teams kind of all since he's been there have played with the same kind of energy and um you know they're just it's just a blue collar lineup which is not what you're used to seeing from arizona state over the last decades that's it i I, I should i should rephrase that just a little bit i I feel like murphy's team still had that um that hard-nosed approach it just wasn't they just hadn't I mean, they just had bigger names. I mean, more firepower. That—that's what I'm trying to say.
1: I, I follow you. Now that—that's the difference to me is they just have more uh, bigger name talent. They have more physical, athletic talent on those teams. And this is not, you know, not we're not taking a shot at anybody. It's just—it's just a matter of fact. That—that you know, that, that, Arizona State is not that kind of team anymore. They can't just roll out there and you're going to look talent for talent and just say Arizona State's got more talent. That's just not right. happening anymore. So, um. And another thing that other team we want to talk about, and then we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast this week, the Irish Classic, we have two Northern teams. Uh, we, you know, on, the, on, the, on the Hangout, we talked about last year's Northern teams that you know one regional, St. John, Stony Brook, Kent State, all struggling right now. A combined three wins. You had Stony Brook and Kent State obviously went to Omaha last year but lost a lot. This year we have two Northern teams. I'm not counting Louisville as a Northern team. I'm sorry. Louisville is not Northern for me. But uh, I do think, well, I really guess we only have really one. Notre Dame. It's kind of hard. Louisville is further north of Virginia Tech, but uh, Virginia Tech is not weather-advantaged, certainly, I would say. They're not geographically advantaged. They're hokey advantaged They have they travel very well, and they grind over there with uh, Pete PQs and what he's done. We had uh, Pete and then, uh, you know, taking on his former Padawan learner there, Mick Aoki, I'm sure. Mick would love to be called a Padawan. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine Mick Aoki with a little braid coming down like, uh, like Padawans are supposed to have? But anyway, I'm not I'm gonna get involved with this, John. Now I'm getting hyper nerdy. Uh, but <laughs> Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, both uh, lose a game of generally have winning weekends in the uh, Irish Classic this weekend. Uh, I was only there for one game. It was very cold out here this weekend, and the World Baseball Classic is going on, so uh, I went to the Notre Dame Virginia Tech game, and I saw less than two hours of those two teams. Mercifully, a quick game play with Notre Dame getting a 3-0 shutout. But Aaron, my impression was that Notre Dame is a slightly better team. and, the, and the, uh, I, I like Notre Dame's defense. They, they, they were flawless behind Adam Norton on Saturday. But they've also got some real power in their lineup. Not that Virginia Tech does not, but Trey Mancini and Eric Jagailo, it's a nice middle-of-the-lineup combo for this Notre Dame team. And it was a good look at Notre Dame for me because uh, they did play with some precision even in the cold. And uh, this is a team that's got, uh, no matter where they play, those two power bats in the middle of the li- their lineup should make Notre Dame competitive against a lot of teams.
2: I'm with you. I, I like Notre Dame's team a lot. I'm glad we have them ranked. One concern I have maybe is, is you know, with the depth in the bullpen. Um, you know, they, they, they used Dan Slania for, what, three-plus innings, I think, on, on yeah the, the first game against Tennessee. and Right. Um, and, you know, they came back and, and actually, the other guys picked him up. I mean, so I thought that was impressive to me this weekend. That was one of my concerns, and they addressed it. Uh, Matt, turn, turn out. Turn out check. you know how to say that? Turn out check? I
1: think you're uh, right with turn to check. I think you're turn right.
2: Turn check, probably. I mean, it, five brilliant innings against you know UMass, so, albeit. Uh, but then, you know, against Virginia Tech, we I mean, didn't need any bullpen. It's nice when you got a, a guy like uh, Adam Norton who can he can uh, carry you that deep into a ball game, and uh, he's just a really good college pitcher. And, you know, one of those classic mix in match. Not going to blow you away, but lets his defense work behind him. That's it. Um, you know, and it's a good defense. I mean, if, uh, you know, between Lane Richards and Frank go up the middle, and um, you know Charlie Markson's very good in center field, and um, you know, and, and they've been very pleased with Forrest Johnson behind the plate. So. I think they're strong up the middle.
1: I think that's a big key for them. I think you're absolutely right. They are strong up the middle, and, and so is Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, uh, again, defensively, uh, I saw uh, an error. Uh, you know, I saw Andrew Rash just drop a fly ball in center field. It wasn't a routine fly. He had to range into right center field, and it was cold and windy. And he, he you know, hit his glove and he just dropped it. Um, I thought it was a tremendous job by Norton against a Virginia Tech lineup. They just, by the look of it, the top six in that lineup here. That's 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 a lineup that's really going to compete in the ACC. Schneider, Caselica, yeah. Chad yeah. Pender, the crushing Russian Mark Zagunas, Tyler Horan. You know, that's that and Andrew Rash. That's an energetic lineup. It's a lineup with some athleticism. It's not overly physical. There's not like a big donkey in the middle of the lineup, but all those guys uh, you know, with I guess with the exception of Horan. Horan is a donkey. Um, <laughs> and of course I mean that with all affection. Um, but I thought that was a good uh, I, I think that was all the more impressive for Adam Norton to mow them down uh, the way he did. But I got th- to I, I tell you, Virginia Tech has got, I think, an ACC-caliber Friday starter in Brad Markey. He was tremendous. Yeah. He was tremendous against Notre Dame. This guy was a Georgia Tech recruit that went to Santa Fe. He was up to 94 in the game we saw. He really trusts the breaking ball. didn't throw too many breaking balls. But he was around right the borderline of throwing too many breaking balls for me, but he, he threw an awful lot of breaking balls. Um, boy, pretty, pretty outstanding effort, and he feels like, he confirms that Virginia Tech is going to be a regional team for me because they've got a bell cow on Friday nights.
2: I think, yeah, I think it's a great point. I was, uh, I was uh, very encouraged by the report you had on him and you know, they they've, they're, they're pitching behind him. I think is not special, but it's adequate because their offense is going to be so good. Um, I think that's going to be a really fun series next week. Virginia Tech against Georgia Tech. It'll probably be a series. I'll highlight in weekend preview. Two of the point. best. I think two of the best offensive teams in college baseball. Uh, look, for some fireworks there, although Aaron, uh, Georgia Tech has pitched very well too. I mean, they they played. Granted, you know, it's been against inferior competition generally, but uh, they've played very well in all phases.
1: You know, we didn't talk about this, but we probably should talk about Georgia Tech because I think you're right. I think as in terms of in this era, uh, when offense is precious, and uh, you know they've got a separating factor, Aaron, and his name is Daniel Polka. <laughs> I mean, I mean this guy has done it for three years, yeah. but. Uh, not too many power hitters as good as Daniel Palka as far as a guy who has done it. He's done it in college. He's done it in the Cape. He's done it with wood. He's done it with these BB core bats. You know, you got Zane Evans sitting there with five home runs and Daniel Palka with three. Is there another, I mean, they haven't even gotten everybody going there offensively. Is there another, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think they are as good an offensive team as there is in the whole country. Georgia tech that is.
2: Yeah. And you know, Georgia Tech. Yeah. And and I think Virginia Tech is in that discussion too. I mean, I I still, I still believe in New Mexico's offense. I think it's, you know, I think New Mexico is going to be okay. They, they had a bad weekend again. Um, I'm not giving up on the Lobos though. I mean, this is my preseason Omaha sleeper. They got off to a bad start last year and still be a regional. So, uh, that's just a little, little sidetrack there, but no, I mean, I, I like this Georgia Tech offense a lot. I mean, um, you know, because you've got the, you've got, you've got variety here. I mean, you, you know, Kyle Wren uh, gives you some speed and just yep. kind of a classic leadoff guy. Um, you know, Brandon Thomas can do everything. I mean, hit for average, hit for power, run, throw. I mean, he's a complete package. Um, you know, Sam Dove's, Sam Dove's a really nice senior uh, who can do a lot of different things for you. I think Matt Gonzalez is a dynamic freshman. AJ Murray has been fantastic. Um, you know, and, 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 those are guys that I think we kind of thought would come in and make impacts and they have. Uh, but uh, this is, this is a good team.
1: It's a really good team. And I guess the big test for them next weekend, like you said, let's see what they could do in the ACC, not playing St. John's and Rutgers, but playing Virginia techs offense. And it's a big test for Cole Pitts and dusty Isaacs and the rest of their pitching staff. Right. And, you know, it's obviously, uh, and, and, you know, the, something has changed. It's most of the same guys they had last year uh, on back on the mound. They have a new pitching coach, uh, you know, Jason Howell replacing Tom Kinkelar. and uh, you know Tom Kinkelar had a couple guys who were undrafted out of high school and became first round picks, uh, and uh, and Deck McGuire and Jed Bradley, and yet it just you know Georgia Tech made a change in this offseason. and so far Cole Pitts has pitched very well. Yeah. Um, let's see if uh, you know is Jason Howell the guy going to get something out of DeAndre Smelter? They got nothing from DeAndre Smelter the first two years. This guy was a top hundred prospect. Uh, come out of high school um, and and he's got a special arm and he's athletic and he's physical, you know, you'd like to, you'd you'd like to get something out of that guy last year. He didn't even travel in ACC play,
2: you know, and he's a middle reliever even now. I mean, he's had, you know, he's pitched well, he's had four appearances and four innings. I mean, it's, it's, Hey, I guess it's nice to have a piece like that in the middle innings. I mean, we'll see what he can bring for him.
1: Right. But I'm, I'm intrigued. So if you see some improvement from Georgia tech on the mound, First of all, we've seen it so far, but let's let's watch it going forward. And and Virginia Tech is a great test. And Aaron, you know, last year we used to do this a lot, where we kind of looked ahead. Let's wrap the podcast. That's a great way to to do. It. Let's look well, ahead a little bit to, to next weekend. Unless you had, unless you want to touch on one more thing this weekend.
2: Yeah, you know, we 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 mentioned South Carolina Clemson earlier, but we didn't we didn't talk
1: about it. So I feel like we don't if we don't at least touch on this series.
2: We're going to get accused of bias from the yep. Gamecock
1: fans. You know what though? You're right. First of all, kudos to South Carolina for again winning this series. Kudos to – and I think if you're Clemson, the good takeaway from this is, you know, Clay Schmidt, you know, he's a big deal recruit for them, obviously. And he came through. He was pretty good. I mean, for uh, no matter who South Carolina has lost, for you to have a freshman in Clemson to go compete for seven-plus innings like Clay Schmidt did for you, that's a good sign for Clemson. So, uh, But, I mean, uh, I thought the the stat of that weekend to me, Aaron – and there's a lot of neat ones. Uh, Andrew Kiddick at South Carolina feeding us a lot of really interesting tidbits there uh, over the weekend. But how about the fact that uh, Nolan Belcher? Yeah. That's the first complete game in how long for South Carolina? Since 2000.
2: Since well, it's South Carolina's first complete game since uh, Sam Dyson in 2010, and it's Belcher's first complete game since 2009. I mean, this guy's been there a long time. Wow. Fifth year senior. I mean, I still remember you know seeing him trot out there as a freshman, a true freshman, and he was you know he was. Uh, he's going to he was a di- difference maker at that time and he's had a strange road um and here he has emerges their Sunday guy and you know th- was it a three-hit shutout against Clemson i mean and, you know that's <laughs> that's that's rising to the occasion i mean it, it's a nice that they can they can have him on Sundays and kind of sets up their 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 whole staff a little bit better cuz you don't have to try to shoehorn somebody else in there you can you know give them more luxury in your bullpen with Kumis back there and and uh you know all the other pieces westmoreland i mean they they've got a lot of depth on this pitching staff. Jordan Montgomery has has emerged as this, you know, he's the next Roth-type guy. I mean, he's a legit Friday guy who has performed on the biggest stage in Omaha, uh, and, you know, he came up big again on Friday. So um, South Carolina will be South Carolina. They will get their their clutch performances, and, you know, it's more the same with this new era, this new new head coach, Chad Holbrook, and, um, you know, it's just... They're they're just winners. They just they
1: got it going. They are a machine, Aaron. It's they just are. they're they're to the point where you take them for granted. That's a pretty yeah. big compliment. You just take you just take their excellence for granted at this point. And the names change. You just expect oh, Albie Dantzler. Yeah, he's going to be a stud. Of course, he's going to be a stud. He's at South Carolina, you know. Right. Or or yeah, that's Graham Seiko. Yeah, I mean maybe he's not a shortstop like he was in summer college baseball. But, yeah, this guy, he's, you know, he's going to have a 440 on base percentage and draw a lot of walks and set the table. I mean, you know, you lose Christian Walker and you lose Jackie Bradley Jr. the year before. You lose Roth. You're supposed to have a fall-off. And, you know, you don't have uh, – you know, really, Grayson Griner and Joey Pancake haven't even really gotten hot yet. You know, the guys – or Tanner English, the guys we thought would be the guys to get, to get this team going. I mean, hasn't happened yet. So this team is uh, – and, and there's a lot of roster depth. Uh, on the mound, on the field. Uh, like you said, you, to me, South Carolina just to the point. And you, when you lose Ray Tanner, when you lose one of the all-timers, you're supposed to take a step back a little bit, you know, and they have it. So uh, pretty impressive. And you get two uh, shutouts on the weekend. How about Clemson? So Clemson, uh, welcome to, you know, 2013 reality with Clemson. You're 6-4. and four. You've just been shut out twice by your rival South Carolina. And uh, for your next uh, act... You get to go face Carlito on the road in North NC State. Um, what's the prognosis for Clemson going forward? This is a youngish club. Um, they did win a game this weekend. They didn't allow themselves to get swept. We expect nothing less from a, a jack-legged toughness kind of club. But it just looks like it's going to be challenging for Clemson this year, Aaron.
2: Yeah, they're going to have ups and downs. I mean, you know, kind of like at Texas A&M, I think we talked about earlier, where it's, um, you know, they've got some quality – Pieces, but they also have youth and and I just think uh, I think like a and I think they're gonna be a regional team, but um, You know, they're not gonna be in the mix to host a regional. I don't think I mean, it's it's a uh, There's some players. I like here. I mean Steve Wilkerson has made that jump forward as a junior He needed to do that and he has yeah, uh, he's a talented guy um, you know, the freshman Duggar and, 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 uh, um, you know, Tyler Krieger shortstop I and mean, Krieger hasn't really gotten his bat going at all. He's still below 200, but, uh, Duggar's been a, the big contributor for them. And, and, you know, obviously Clayt Schmidt. I mean, those are, those are, uh, that's a nice core guys and Matthew crown over the left hander. It's a nice core guys. Uh, it's kind of build around, um, in that freshman class and, and, and veterans have performed too. I mean, with, with Scott Firth, especially coming to mind, um, you know, I mean, and, Daniel Gossett and Matt Campbell. I mean, they've got some anchors here. I mean, it's, I think it's a solid club. I do. I just think that, uh, you know, in that league, I think they're behind, clearly, that, that that top tier with North Carolina and NC State and Georgia Tech and Florida State. And, you know, and I would throw Virginia Tech in that mix as well. And, and um, you know, Virginia, excuse me, Virginia to me um, feels a little better than Clemson, but... I don't think there's a huge difference there either. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, that those those two teams to me both have athleticism. Um, they both have, you know, some some youth. But, uh, um, you know, Clemson might have more power arms in Virginia. So I don't know.
1: I, I think you're right about that. I'm looking at Clemson's schedule, too, Aaron. Another thing to me is that the schedule doesn't do them a ton of favors. You know, they're at NC State to start off. They've still got to play Virginia. Um, I'm looking at who they miss in the league. They miss Maryland. No offense to Maryland, but you'd rather play Maryland than miss them. <laughs> they don't play – not only they play Virginia Tech, but they've got Georgia Tech. They've got to go to Miami. they got to go to Florida State. Just uh, not easy. Oh, no, they do have Maryland. Uh, I'm trying to figure out who they don't have in the league, or who they don't play. But it does feel like Clemson have got to go to North Carolina. It's Their youngsters are going to have to grow up quick for Clemson to, you know, get where it wants to go and get where Clemson is accustomed to going. And to the main point of this discussion is to get where South Carolina goes. They're not going to get right. there. They're not, they're not South Carolina. You know, they're, they're just not. So uh, the Gamecocks uh, win the series again and uh, and remain the top dog in a state that, for me, right now, uh, only Ole Miss, uh, only, only Mississippi can challenge South Carolina as far as a state that's just so crazy for college baseball in terms of the yeah. attendance and the pad, the fan passion and uh in terms of quality, you know, you got Mississippi with all miss and mississippi state both in the in the top 10. You just have the same thing here in North Carolina obviously with the you know, the Tar Heels and the Wolfpack. Uh Oregon I guess is going to give people a run for its money with uh, the the O State Ballas and the Ducks uh, out there but uh some unconve- not some hotbeds you just don't think of. Uh in college baseball, one last one also Aaron, uh, maybe take 2 seconds. We Florida and Miami, usually that's a series we talk a lot about. Neither team ranked this week. It seemed like the Gators really needed it, and they got it this weekend with a series win. Um, how'd that happen? What did the Gators do to rally and to win their first, uh their first, but win their second series of the year?
2: Yeah, they were. I mean, you know, when they, they go in there and lose the Friday game with with Crawford on the mound, uh, you think, boy, they they could be in trouble here. But uh, you know, they. they... They got some. They got some great work in their bullpen. The next two days is what happened. I mean, the, the freshman starters kind of, you know, just okay. Get getting into the fifth inning, and then you know, and then they head off their bullpen, which is kind of what they how they drew it up. Uh, and, and you know, Ryan Harris and Magliozzi and those guys. I mean, they. Uh, they they took it from there and and you know Florida got some timely hitting Justin Schaefer and, and Taylor Gushue um, those guys that uh, those sophomores they they really they're really reliant upon you know, I mean those are those are key pieces for them um, they they have to lead this offense now along with Casey Turgeon who's already kind of established himself but um, you know those guys need to need to do it and they did this weekend
1: yeah kudos to uh, to Florida and you know tough gotta be a tough one for for the you know the U to to Swallow their win. You know, they, they win the Friday game 3 2. They're up 3 2 on Saturday and give it the fourth spot in the eighth inning. Uh, you know, we always talk about uh, what a great job Miami does in the bullpen. and They could not hold that lead uh, on a Saturday where they're, yeah, you know, this close yeah. to basically six outs away from, from winning a road series. Uh, and going for a sweep, I mean, it would have been a very different scene. So, you, you got to give Kevin O'Sullivan and the Gators for battling back and winning that game and then winning the series.
2: And that happened with AJ Salcines on the mound, yep. too, that, that four run rally. He's their guy back there, and, you know, they, Florida beat their guy.
1: Aaron, it feels like going forward next week, we need to keep our eye on uh, Oklahoma we, as a team that's up to a great start that we haven't talked a whole lot about. Uh, ACC play starts next weekend. Uh, you know, got to keep our eye on some conference series. What else is coming up next weekend? Where are you going to be next weekend?
2: Classic out in uh, L.A., we've got Oklahoma. um, You know, going to UCLA and USC. So that'll be fun. And then probably I'd like to catch the Titans as well. They got Texas A&M. You need need to see some more of the Aggies. Didn't get enough this weekend. Um, So, you know, so it's some, some good stuff going on in Southern California as well.
1: Well, Cal State Fullerton, right now they're you know about as good of a story of the uh, as there is in the country. We jumped them up seven spots in the rankings from 17 to 10. Uh, they win that series. I don't even know if we talked much about that earlier uh, before before the uh, the first part of the. I think the podcast. we did. I think and, we did, didn't we? It's been it's been so long. I'm not sure, but uh, but clearly, they you know they win a series. Uh, they're up to the, jump into the top 10. You've got they've got what San Diego and Southern Cal during the week this week as well. So are you going to see them midweek at all?
2: Uh, probably not.
1: Oh yeah. You're just, uh, you're still in Houston.
2: Well, enjoy Reckling I Park.
1: Sorry, I, mean, I Reck- will. Thank you. Reckling Park is beautiful. And, uh, my, my trips to Houston uh, have all been fond. I've only made two trips to Houston, but the all-star game and, and Reckling Park, those are two, two great places to go. And now you're going there every year. I'm very excited for you that you finally get to go to Reckling.
2: Yeah. You know, it, it's every year I come in here and I go to three games a minute made and I never get to go to, to Reckling. So I figured I would make it happen with, uh, with Cal staying over here on Monday.
1: Is there a uh, is there an All My Children viewing party you get to go to today or no?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Coach Graham's in the mood to watch his soaps right now. He was a little bit uh, displeased yesterday, but you can read more about that in Three Strikes.
1: Great, great, uh, great way to wrap it up. At Aaron Fit is the Twitter handle. You could follow all of Aaron's college baseball musings there. Uh, you can uh, see my World Baseball Classic rants and other things at at John Manuel BA, and every once in a while some college baseball tweets as well. So for Aaron. I'm John. We'll see you next week on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody.